110 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan on the football field. We don't want to coach average. We do want to win because winning is the epitome of team effort. Every coach who ever put a whistle around their neck strives to be the head coach at The Ohio State University. Welcome back, everybody, to Buckeye Bar Guys here on Buckeye Bar Talk. I'm Mike. And I'm John. Today's date is uh, Tuesday, October 12th, 2021. Um Talking about the the big win against the Terrapins, uh, John uh, got the score prediction uh, 100 correct. Hell yeah! Uh, thanks to Craig Young towards the end of the game, big pick six. So another game with a pick six, uh, which uh, I believe I called. So I was happy at least with that. Uh, if I'm gonna lose on the score, I'm glad they at least got me a pick six because I said they were gonna get one in this game. Um, and uh, so going into the bye week now, so uh, it's time to get rested up a little bit and uh, get ready for a big stretch coming down as a, we got some big games coming down the stretch, man. I mean, as of right now, Ohio state is playing uh, three more top 10 teams. So like, so that's going to be crazy. I mean, things could work its way out to, you know, before then, obviously, you know, Michigan and Penn state are going to play each other after us. You still got Michigan and Michigan state to play each other. Is that the same day as our game with Penn State? Yeah, um, yeah, that's so, going to be October 30th as well. Yeah, so, I mean, some things might we might actually be playing three top 10 teams, but uh, you never know. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, so the Big Ten is uh, extremely well represented right now, and uh, so, I mean, good for us. I mean, it at least should help keep us keep the focus coming down the stretch, so uh, I like that, uh, especially with a team that's getting improved. Uh, every week um, before we get into just the bye week thoughts and uh, some coaching thoughts about the coaching staff, because uh, we really haven't gotten the breakdown, um, the issues that kind of brought to the changes. Uh, some of that was talked about today. So we'll talk about that towards the end of the episode. Well, let's just talk about the game. Uh, so we'll start, uh, we'll start offense first this week. Uh, I mean, CJ Stroud, just another uh, miraculous, magnificent game. I mean, it just, I mean, night and day to where, I mean, it wasn't that he was looking bad the first few weeks. He was just, he's not looking like what he is now. I mean, the dude's like looking pure confident. And uh, I mean, he is throwing the ball before receivers are out of their breaks. He's ready. I mean, he's just, he's on top of this game. And it's really impressive considering, I mean, how young he is. And he has hardly any practice time or playing time underneath him. So it, it just, I mean, what just, what's your thoughts? I mean, I've been really impressed the last few weeks with him. Oh yeah. I mean, he has 10 touchdowns in the last two games without an interception. Uh, I think we still have to wait to see, you know, like what Tulsa did someone that's going to sell out and try to stop the throw at all costs. So when we see that again, you know, we'll see how he's matured and how he's growing, but 10 touchdowns in two games, no interceptions. And like you said, I mean, the confidence and just how he's playing is, it's incredible. I mean, how he is throwing receivers open, honestly, you know, it's like he already has kind of like that second half of the year confidence that Dwayne Haskins got when he really started putting up numbers, you know, he already, it seems like he already has that within the last two weeks that he's like, okay, I can, I know he's going to be there if I make this throw and he's just letting it rip and he's just 
he's looking great. I mean, as like you said, that it's it's the whole like if I'm even, I'm leaving type thing where Justin Fields had to make sure the guys left before he threw the ball. Like CJ, there's none of that with him. If they're no. even, he knows they're leaving and he's tossing the rock and it's just leading to huge plays. And those three receivers are just they're eating big time. And we saw, you know, Henderson hell out of the backfield in this last game. Like mm-hmm. it was something that we hadn't really seen yet. You know, we saw him, we've seen him be a great runner, but, and I know we saw a pass catch in that first game against Minnesota, but not like what we saw there. I mean, that was something that was behind yeah, the, the line I mean, of scrimmage. Yeah. The difference between that one and what we saw this week is, you know, that one was all him. I mean, he, that was just a quick throw and then just let him do his thing. I mean, those wheel routes he was running and getting out of the backfield and uh, going down the sideline and just being uh it just shows if you, if you're not paying attention to him out in the passing game, uh, you're screwed because I mean, again, another, just another person that could take uh, anything to the house. I'm so looking forward to seeing him more in a screen game. Um, you know, that they're going to, and it, I have a feeling it's going to be either, the next week against Indiana or the following week against Penn state, somebody who's going to bring some pressure against Stroud and they're going to roll that screen out and they're going to kill somebody on it. And um, I think that uh, what we, what we're seeing from him from the coaching staff too. I mean, you talked about, you know, it'll be interesting when we see some, a team now that comes to sell out the, you know, try to stop the pass a little bit more. But I think the difference is, I mean, we saw this week where, you know, Ryan day wanted to get the running game established pretty early and uh, they were pretty ready Maryland for the running game. I mean, you know, Henderson wasn't getting a lot of openings to no. break out. So uh, day quickly moved to, all right, well, they're bringing guys up. Let's go start hitting them on the passing game. So I think they're getting that confidence. So I, I think if teams start, I don't think it's going to be, uh, I think the difference between Stroud this year and fields last year is I don't think it's going to take, day as long as it did against Northwestern to get the running game going when he well, it was obvious the running game was there and you know they were just dropping back to stop fields mm-hmm. you know I think this year you know if you start seeing guys dropping back they're going to move to that type they're going to move to pounding the ball as quick as possible just kind of we saw this week but it was just reverse this week you know they were Maryland was selling out against the run and so what did they do they went to kill them through the air and they absolutely did. So, I mean, I, I'm just like, just stoked. And like you talked about the receivers. I mean, these guys, it, it's now we're seeing, it's definitely a, as advertised with this receiving core was, you know, they were doing fine in the first few weeks, but uh, now it's like they're adding touchdown to the mix too. And, you know, Stroud's just, they're, they're running, for easy touchdowns after the catch. Now he's also starting to hit them down the field for touchdowns. So um, I definitely like just all around where this offense is going right now. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm just going to say real quick for receiving. So Garrett Wilson, 31 receptions, Olave, 30 receptions, Jackson Smith and Jigba, 23 receptions, respectively, 546, 494, 452 yards. I mean, these guys, there is an outside shot that you got 3000 yard receivers in this. Season. Oh yeah. You know, I, I, and I think we might see it. I mean, you, I mean, they're only, they still got what six regular season games plus, you know, 
at least at minimum a bowl game, possibly a big 10 title and two other bowl games, like, mm-hmm. you know, in the mix here. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I could very see them getting there. I mean, they're basically all touching the century mark on now each game. And I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. It's like good luck trying to cover all three of these guys because there's just, I don't see any team having the strengths to be able to go up against three receivers. I mean, it's even hard. if you play a zone heavy team where you're all back and stuff, I mean, there are still going to be weaknesses in the zone and there's going to be a good receiver and one of those weaknesses. So like plus record and plus Henderson. So it's right. like, you know, I mean, pick your poison right now. Yeah. And like Jackson Smith and Jigba, I've been so impressed what he can do after the catch. Like, you know, I kind of thought coming in from what I heard was he was like a KJ Hill, you know, very sure hands. And then I, you know, I learned that he was a little bit more athletic, but I mean, I don't, he's not Paris Campbell, but he's kind of like a cross between, you know, Paris Campbell and KJ Hill that he has the hands route running. He can do those things as a slot receiver like Paris or like uh, KJ could do, but then he can turn it upfield for, you know, 20, 25 yard gain. And sometimes he gets to the end zone. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, uh, he's just, uh, just phenomenal. I mean, I'm really been impressed with him. It's just, uh, I mean, you know what you got from the other two and they're really showing you at that. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, they're the best one, two combination in the country. Oh, it's not, I, mean, I, I don't know if it's necessarily that close. Yeah. And they might not be the best one, two, three combination in the country, which is, uh, you know, I, I don't think that that's that far fetched. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of teams third receivers, but I can't imagine any team uh, at their caliber has a third guy that's as good as him as JSN. Um, you know, the other two, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting. I think uh, I think a lot of NFL teams are extremely high on uh, Garrett Wilson. Um, I think that they could easily be the number one and two receivers in the the country coming off the board. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how everybody, you know, I think Olave is the one that's is going to prove himself to the NFL teams, but I think he has proved himself to the NFL teams. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, what is he, what do they want? What don't they want? And you know, the way I look at him, I mean, he could very easily be another Terry McLaurin in the NFL. No one expected him to be as good as he was. And, you know, Alave is arguably a better route runner than he is. And I mean, yeah, I get in the NFL, he's not going to be running as wide open as some of his, as he is right now, but he doesn't run wide open because of his, you know, speed and stuff like that. I mean, he's not Ted Ginn jr. Just running by people. I mean, he fakes people off unbelievable routes, then gets wide open. I mean, that's crazy. This, the, how he does it. It's funny actually on Twitter, um, another Buckeye fan and I, we kind of had a, maybe misunderstanding not so much disagreement but like i was something came up about jmo which we can talk about him more later if you know if there's time and you know i like alabama fans they think that you know they got the best receiver we had on our roster they didn't um ohio state fans are upset with some ohio state fans are upset with the success he's having in alabama because you know, he, he should be having that here. That's our blunder that he's not. It's like he wouldn't be seeing the field like he wouldn't be seeing. He would see the field, but he wouldn't be seeing anywhere near this success 
And so I was saying, you know, maybe somehow Jameson Williams climbs into the first round and maybe someone goes and gets him before Olave. I don't think there's any chance that someone would get him before Wilson, but just based off of what he can do with speed and it's like speed right now in the NFL is so coveted for receivers, yeah. you know, and the guy was like, are you calling Chris Olave slow? Like, come on, man. It's not slow. I'm like, I didn't say Chris Olave was slow. And he's, and he's like, well, you thought Jameson Williams is going to go before him. Like I never said Jameson Williams going before him. I said, there's only one thing Jameson Williams does better than Chris Olave. And that's he's faster in a straight line. And that's it. Like I'm literally saying Chris Olave is better than him at every other spot of being a receiver. Yeah. And that's his one chance that he would get drafted above him. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I know the joke was going around, uh, you know, we talked about this. Uh, I think you heard it from somewhere, but that, you know, that uh, Chris Olave coming back, uh, you know, save Alabama's receiving core this year. I mean, they, they lost a lot last year and uh, I mean, nothing against Michi. I mean, he's a really good receiver, but he's not, uh, you know, uh, the two that they had from last well, year. They, they yeah. lost a lot over the last two years. I mean, when you lose Henry Ruggs, um, what, Judy, yeah. Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle all within a two year period. I mean, that was a hell of a recruiting class or recruiting classes to have all those guys on the team at once. And now you can see why Tua had his numbers and, you know, Mac Jones had the numbers he did. But even though, you know, Jalen got hurt halfway through last year. But yeah, I mean, that's like they lost a ton. And James Williams did kind of save them because he gave them back that deep threat that could take the top off the defense. And yeah, Chris Olave saved Alabama, at least their passing yeah. game. Yeah. So I'm definitely um, pretty happy where we're at um, with offense. Uh, definitely want to get some good rest in now mm -hmm. um, and get ready for Indiana. We know Indiana now is a night game. So, you know, It'll be interesting when they list the Penn State game. I mean, I'm I'm assuming it's probably going to be in that between 3.30 to 8 o'clock slot. Uh, you know, it seems like it's going to be an ESPN game from what a lot of people are saying. Yeah. Um, we'll probably find out for sure uh, next week, but it sounds like uh, I'm assuming Michigan-Michigan State will be the Fox game and they will be big noon. And then... Uh, we'll have Penn state later in the day on, um, on, you know, ESPN, unless Fox gets it at four, like they had with Iowa, Indiana or Iowa, Penn state this past week. And I mean, that's a possibility too, uh, which I would be fine with. I would just like, uh, you know, I, when, if they want to do this type of game where it's like, you know, the, the scarlet out the crowd, that's gotta be a later in the day type thing because you know, you need the, you need the fans. You need, you need a little bit of younger fan right. base and maybe a, a little bit more juiced up than, uh, you know, your new typical noon crowd is. Right. You need the the kids that were out partying the night before getting excited for the game. They need to be on their A game at the game. And let's just face yeah. it. Noon games don't always give them that luxury. So I agree. It has to be a little bit later on. Um, I was going to ask you before moving on to the defense, unless you got anything more about the offense. No, no, I'm you want to go offense. All right. So. I'm going to ask you kind of like a two-parter here. Um, who would you say is your MVP of the offense? And then who is your rising star or surprise of the first half? 
So both geared towards that, you know, we're at the halfway point of the season. So who's the MVP through the first half and who's your, who's your super or your surprise guy? Um, it's going to be a little different on the surprise guy. Um, the guy I'm going to pick is my superstar. The guy I'm going to say Garrett Wilson right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty much a coin flip between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Um, I think we kind of expected what we were going to get out of both of them, but the fact that we're seeing it and uh, is uh, it's nice. So I'll choose Wilson um, with my uh, surprise guy. It's a little different. Like I think if Stroud had a better first couple games, you know, or I shouldn't say better. If he was a little bit more accurate, uh, maybe a little bit more on it. Like he's looking the last few games, I would say Henderson's my rising star. But the fact that uh, Stroud, you know, he left some things to be desired early. And now he is like checking every box like five times. Um, I'm going to say Stroud just is the, because I'm really impressed to where he's at right now. And, you know, I was a little bit on the fence. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was looking forward to McCord playing in that Akron game because I was seeing, is there any other, is there a, I get it's Akron, but is there a spark there that we're just not seeing with Stroud that maybe we'll see with McCord? I didn't see it from McCord that game and not saying that he couldn't eventually get to there, but uh, I mean, that was his first game. So, you know, it happens, but mm-hmm. you know, I didn't see it. So I was fine with them going back to Stroud after that. And Stroud is proven any little doubts I had in him completely wrong. So like, I think he's my rising star right now. And, uh, I think by the end of the season, he could be my team MVP and supplant Wilson in that type of uh, matter. Because I mean, he's the guy that gets to touch the ball every play. And uh, he's starting to look like the the quarterbacks that we've had over the last three years. Okay. All right. Uh, I would have to say Chris Olave, just, just not to agree completely with you. I think like you said, it could be one a and one B Olave did have a couple slower games. He got back on track though, and he's gotten back on track in a big way the last two. So he's um, looking phenomenal the last two games. I mean, Garrett Wilson, like he's uncoverable too, though. So I mean, you really can't go wrong with either one. And kind of like you, um, I'm not gonna say Stroud as the rising star because I honestly, I mean, the guy's in the Heisman talk right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some love out to someone else, and I'm gonna say Jackson Smith and Jigba because. I didn't realize. I mean, I I knew the kid was going to be really good. I didn't think he he would be that good. That it's almost like, you you know, if if Olave yeah. if Olave is not getting the ball, like I thought he would be a nice compliment. I didn't think he'd be like the a legitimate like he could be our leading receiver any you know every game of the season, and we would be yeah. fine with it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, and you know, Jackson Smith and Nick Jibba, I definitely. We knew he was good. I don't think you would realize he was that good. And I wasn't expecting him to be this good with, you know, Olave and Wilson in front of him. It's literally like, hey, you know, I mean, like we just said, I mean, we literally could have three 1,000 yard receivers. And like, we'll see after the Indiana game in the Penn State game. But if they keep this pace, then we will see three 1,000 yard receivers. Like, that's unless, you know, God forbid there's an injury or something. Let's hope but. Not. Like if they, if they both are averaging basically a hundred yards a game after Penn state, like pretty much how they are almost to the point. I mean, a little bit under, you know, through, I believe what six games we're at. Um, Mm -hmm. But 
yeah, if they are still there, like, yeah, they'll get there by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I don't. What do you? What do you even need to average like eighty yards a game? You know, probably somewhere around there. I would say the seventy-six, something like that. If I mean, if you just play the thirteen, so yeah, I mean, they're they're on their way. I mean, they all got a good shot. I think they're all averaging. We got an average per game. I can't find it, but they'll be. I mean, they're right around there. So. They definitely um, they got a shot. Yeah. All right. Uh, defense. So it took a moment at the at that first series. Maryland had some good uh, plays in there. Held them to a field goal. Uh, basically, everybody on the defensive line uh, shut them down right at the kick the field goal. Uh, everybody got their shot at Little Tua, and then he finally got uh, uh he finally. Uh, got taken down yeah. after he spun out of a bunch of sacks, uh, would-be sacks to get sacked. Uh, I was very impressed with the defensive line in this game because it seems like they were really coming after him. And, you know, they were getting defensive end pressure. They were getting defense tackle pressure. And I, I, I think you got to kind of throw the Akron at game out. So I, I think this was the best game we saw all year from the defensive line. So I like that because coming down the stretch, if we get more of those mm-hmm. and, you know, granted, I mean, Maryland's offensive line, I don't know where they are in comparison, but, you know, they were saying during the game, they actually had a pretty good veteran offensive line. So, like, you know, I, I think that was a pretty good offensive line they went up against. So I think if they keep on uh, moving with that against uh, the offensive lines coming down the stretch, I mean, that could be some really good signs for the defense line because, um, in the back end part of it, I was still extremely impressed. I mean, every week I'm going to say I'm impressed with the zone. It's like, it's like, it's getting better. I mean, this was the first real offensive challenge since they played Oregon and uh, they basically shut these guys down until, you know, they kicked the field goal and then you didn't see anything from them until later in the game. Well, and you know, when you, like I, I told you off camera last week, cause you and I, we both, I think thought, I think we predicted, I know you for sure did that the defensive line was going to have a better game this week than, you know, what we had seen against different competition. And I agreed with you, I think, but then I had looked it up and Iowa didn't get a sack against Mary. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) We, We haven't got a sack. You know, we've had a couple no sack or only one sack games and Iowa didn't get a sack against these guys. So I'm really not sure how confident I am, how pretty it's going to look. We got five. Yeah. We got five on Saturday, nine tackles for a loss. Like the defensive, they they started doing, they started finding ways to get home. Yeah. I mean, what we're seeing on all levels right now. And I mean, Iowa looked extremely impressive and we'll talk about Iowa here in a minute. And uh, some will, cause we'll run by some of the other games. Mm-hmm. Uh, since it's the bye week, we're starting to see now that uh, these guys, we do have the best players at every position grouping. Uh, I would argue that, you know, I would say we have the best position groups out of every, on every group. I mean, we might not have the best player in each group in comparison. Maybe, maybe one team or two teams has actually, you know, maybe a better player or not, but, I would argue we have a better group than everybody else in the big 10. 
um, with maybe the right now the push being the secondary, just because Iowa secondary is phenomenal too. Oh, sure, so sure. I'll I'll give that a push because I really think ours is just as good. Um, I think we've seen that the last couple of weeks that, and we might even be more athletic than them. You know, uh, around the thing when running a similar zone defense. I mean, we're just as much ball hawks as they're being ball hawks. Oh so, yeah, like so. Um. I'm I'm just glad that the athletes are showing up and our talent showing up. So, you know, what I saw from the defense line, I was impressed with if that moves forward. Um, I don't know. Uh, we got some tough games coming down the stretch, but I don't know who's going to beat this team. I mean, this team is heads and shoulders better than everybody else talent wise. So oh, like, yeah. if they're going to dominate a game like that, I mean, who's going to line up and beat them. They got to clean up some tackling. That's still, they do. That, they do. that's still but an it's issue. Getting- it's been better than the first few weeks. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I think a lot of that is the zone that they're just, they have guys there. Um, sometimes on those quick hitters, uh, I think um, Maryland exposed us a little on some of the bubble screens to the sidelines that, uh, but Maryland's got some really good receivers. Um, I mean, they might be arguably the best receiving where we play in the big 10. I mean, oh, and yeah. that's what their best one out and their second best one got her early in the game. I mean, that is a really good receiving core. I mean, that's might be, that's might be the second best to Ohio state's receiving core of the conference. I mean, they've all in the, over the last several years, they've recruited really good receivers. So it shows, um, they've, they exposed us a little on the bubble screens just cause we couldn't get a guy. I mean, there was a couple of times we were close to getting off the block. We just weren't getting off the block. And, uh, we got to get a, another guy flowing to that. I mean, and somebody on that side of the field needs to react a little quicker um, seeing it. And, you know, so I mean, that's something that's on tape. We can find cues now and, uh, you know, use it. They also, they got us a little bit on RPOs. They were probably the best RPO team since Oregon that played us. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got us a little bit on the RPOs. Um, but Consider what I've seen from RPOs over the last outside of 19 over the last, you know, since 2018, I would say we we did all right against them. I mean, you know, it's like we didn't, they didn't kill us on them. And there's been teams in the past that have literally killed us on those. So like, well, and that's what that zone, if you can, if you can keep yourself from being too aggressive on those looks, you should be fine against those RPOs, you know? Hopefully they're not just chipping away and getting a bunch of first downs on you, but just if you stay controlled, they're going to be better with it. And they have been, um, yeah. I mean, as far as points per game, but you're bet you've been playing progressively, excuse me, better offenses since you really started getting this stuff. Like since you got the confidence from Akron. So I'm not too concerned that, you know, it's been a few more points, a few more yards per game since Akron. Cause I think they're, they're going to be fine with that. Um, again, you know, Maryland, yeah. might, Maryland might have one yes. of the better offenses that they're going to play this year. And maybe, it wasn't maybe, like crazy maybe. amount of yards. They didn't like kill us on yards. I mean, they, uh, no, I, I think mean, it was three, I don't know, 50, 30, who knows with that offense, you know, I'll take that. We gave up 17 points. So uh, three thirty. You know, I'll take a 300 yard game. Like, right. I know 335. You honestly, I don't need the defense really to keep anyone under 400 yards. I know that might sound crazy. Um, I don't want a lot more than four. I like, I don't want to get into 500 yards. You know, I don't want to be over 450, but I think as long as you don't let a team, I think flirting with 400 
once or twice coming down the stretch is not a bad thing. If they get into some games where they're flirting with 400 every game, that gets a little concerning. But, you know, Rutgers didn't get that many yards against them. And, you know, they pretty much Maryland, a huge chunk of Maryland's yards came in the second half when Ohio State was really starting to wind down the game. And you were getting Mm -hmm. some younger guys in there that aren't getting a lot of playing time. So, you know, I would at least, I would say what, probably 125 of those yards, maybe 150 of those yards were in really in garbage time. So like, you I'm know, sure. you'll live with stuff like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that, I mean, I'm sure I can look it up how many yards were gained towards the end there. So end of second. Yeah. I mean, that's, you had a couple of drives there. Like Maryland had a 75 yard touchdown to put them at 17. Uh, 10 yard drive, 28, 23 at the end. So that right there, I mean, that's 125 in the second half. Yeah. I mean, that's like you're saying it's, you know, that's, you got a lot at the end of the game, which we knew. So the Ohio State did well. And also another thing that we had talked about watching the game was, you know, it's not, again, I don't need someone to shut someone out, but when you let your offense, that is just amazing get up 21 to three or whatever it is. I don't know who's coming back on that. So there's no, there's nobody in this conference that, you know, and there's some good teams in this conference. Iowa ain't built to coming back from a 21 to three game. Uh, Penn state's not built that way. They're probably the closest built that way out of the big teams. Indiana might be if they, if they're hitting all their strides that day, you know, I mean, they've got They're dealing with a lot of different injuries. So if they're not hitting their strides, they're not really built to go that way. If I mean, if Penn State, if this backup quarterback, if he ends up looking like what he did against Iowa, I mean, that that's not going to be a pretty it, game. That's going to be an ugly game. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see how, uh, uh, you know, Clifford is, but uh, you know, because I mean, have you heard anything? I didn't wasn't paying attention to if they gave out any. No, I I mean, I didn't hear any updates, but I don't know. I mean, reading the body language, it didn't look that positive. I mean, it looked like a. I don't know, collarbone, separated shoulder, which those are easier to come back from. It just, yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It could be a strain. Yeah. And then it goes, it depends. Is, is, is it on the throwing shoulder? Or is it on the other off shoulder? So, I mean, yeah. you know, even a separated shoulder on your throwing shoulder could still be a few weeks longer than, you know, one on the other shoulder. Uh, so yeah, none of these teams are built if they come back on a team. I mean, Ohio state jumps all over you. They're up 28 to 10, nothing, 28 to three, 21 to three, whatever you get behind like that to them. I mean, it, I mean, you're now you're going to be facing a defense. That's really going to start pinning. You're going to go back to start throwing the ball. They're going to come at, you're going to see five sacks. That's mm-hmm. what Maryland saw. Um, that's what other teams will see. Your, your quarterback's going to get very exposed very quickly because Ohio state's defense line under Larry Johnson has always been built for that. Uh, you know, I mean, we've always been good against the run, but when we put teams behind us, you know, those rushing packages that they throw at teams, they're nasty. And, you know, we've seen that for how many times over the years when Larry Johnson gets to start pinning his ears back, he's deadly with right. his teams. And then this year's no different. Yeah. And I mean, we iterate touched on it. This was the most impressed I had been with the defensive line this year outside of Akron, but this was a better competition. So this has to be more impressive. And, you know, everyone's eyes. 
You know who I was actually most impressed with though this game? Linebacker unit. Yeah, they I were in, they were finally like it finally seemed like for an entire game they were really kind of in control of themselves. Yeah. I uh, you know, the sideline stuff, I I really liked a lot of the stuff I saw from Mitchell. Uh, you know, I've been really impressed with Cody Simon the whole year. I will give Eichenberg Tommy Eichenberg, a lot of he looked the good the last few weeks. He's I don't know, it's again, this defense, you know, it just suits him better and he's just one of those guys again, he's just not having to think a whole bunch of stuff and he's reacting good. And that's being in the position that he's in, is reacting good is uh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's, I mean, let's talk about steel chambers for a second. That, that dude is like, did he play running back last year or was he playing linebacker? Like I, he doesn't look like he's out of place. Steel chambers led the team in uh, solo tackles. I mean, him total tackles him, uh, Simon and Eichenberg. And maybe Hickman. No, Hickman had one less. So the, they were all tied, those three linebackers, but he led the team in solo tackles. I mean, not only is he always in place, like he sees the ball, he attacks the ball, he's very instinctual, but he might be the best form tackler on the team. He, on he one hits play, people and they don't go away. Like there was one play where the defensive line completely misread the screen and there was an open screen and he ran right through a lineman and uh, made the tackle for like a four yard gain. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like steel chambers is, you know, he's like, he, you know, what's crazy. And we probably have to see him for a few more games, but he's starting to get that, uh, that, uh, what born is it? It's not Jacoby, right? Who's Zach? Well, Zach was the, Zach he's starting back. to get that Zach Bourne feel for him that, uh, he's becoming that, uh, uh, like stud defense, stud defensive player when uh, he uh, had just unbelievable how he's looking right now, you know, kind of Chris Gamble-ish too. I mean, maybe not Chris Gamble per se, but uh, he's making plays. He gets moved over from offense and he's making plays. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm very impressed. Uh, like kind of what you were saying with Zach Bourne though, is, you know, he's, I, and I know Zach Bourne had like Shazier there. So he obviously like Zach Bourne wasn't the best linebacker on 12, but he was a hell of a, a hell of a contributor. There are, there are garbage cans in Columbus that say differently. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, very true. But Steel Chambers, you know, he he's one of the top three linebackers, I think, on the team right now. Yeah. And that's not to take anything away from, you know, Taraja Mitchell or. uh Eichenberg, which who knows, maybe one of those guys are up there with him. I think Cody Simon and Steele are your top two. Um, Neote Ote, you know, you haven't seen much of him this year. So when he came in against Oregon, Oregon, Tulsa, Tulsa, I think. It was, yeah. He flashed against one of them. So, I mean, I would like to, you know, you want to see more of him, but I just think, you know, they're getting so much more comfortable in this zone that they can attack sideline to sideline and start coming downhill and stop these running, like the running backs or, you know, offensive players looking like silver bullets there that they're coming downhill and they're running through people. Yeah. Um, and then going off the linebackers, I mean, not to say much about the secondary. Um, they're still not challenging our outside guys at all. Like, so like whatever right now, Denzel Burke and seven banks are doing is like, must be out of this world because, 
every time the balls are thrown to their sides, um, the receiver ain't running free. Like they're literally running right with them. And uh, half the times they're an overthrown ball or they're out of bounds because, you know, the other quarterback's just not that good at uh, getting a pinpoint pass because they're blanketed on these guys. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was never going to be the outside guys, but I'm really impressed what I'm seeing with the outside guys. I mean, they're both extremely, and you know, Cam Brown, when he was in there, I mean, I think I got hurt again. Yeah, definitely. He got hurt again. Um, I mean, I think seven and Denzel Burke were showing that they were the two better corners on the outside. Um, But I mean, Cam Brown was showing it too, to a point. And uh, the middle of the field was always the worst. Um, But I mean, Ronnie Hickman is on pace to get a hundred tackles. You know, Ransom's looking good. Bryson Bryson Shaw's looking better in this new role. Looking much better. You know, now that he's got extra help back there with them that it's not just him. So uh Marcus Williamson's looking good. Cam Martinez is looking good. I mean, the middle, it's like been just after a few games, it seems like and it will definitely be interesting once we see better slot receivers and better tight ends coming up. Um but they are looking really good right now in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And it just that zone defense just really, really has just bringing their athleticism out. I mean, I know it's, we're sounding like a broken record with it, but I mean, they're just playing a lot better. I mean, it's, it's just getting so much better each week. So I know, yeah, it might sound like a broken record, but it's really impressive. I mean, to come from how bad it looked man to man, those first, you know, couple games and even how bad the passing defense was against Tulsa to where you are right now. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it just, you can only be really optimistic about it. Yeah. All right, so your MVP and your uh, rising star right now defensively. <laughs> this one's hard, man, because, like, I think you could give the MVP to a bunch of different guys. Um, I'm going to say, and I hope he's okay, the heartbeat of the defense, Haskell Garrett's going to be my MVP as of right now. I think, I mean, the way Day talked, you know he's he's going to rest this week and hopefully we have him back for indiana so his day's been pretty transparent he's not not transparent at all with like what kind of injury it is but when it's long term he's been transparent that you know he's going to be gone for a little bit getting healthy so i hopefully haskell garrett's back against indiana because you know we sure as hell can use them um yeah so yeah that's who i'm going to say is mvp surprise performance there's about like a million <laughs> uh, true freshmen I can say here. I got to say Tyleek Williams just because he's he was kind of like, I don't want to say forgotten, but it was like, oh, man, we got, you know, JT to allow. We got um, Jack Sawyer. We got Michael Hall. You know, we got this huge defensive line hall and we got this huge guy that, you know, he's got to lose a bunch of weight, but he'll be good as a nose tackle here in a couple of years. And it's like, Dude's shining already. Yeah, he's already <laughs> looking like one of the best nose tackles in the country. Um, mine are so my MVP right now is Ronnie Hickman. I mean, the dude's all over the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the he rocket. has been the star in the back end of that defense, and and now everybody seems like they're starting to rise up with him. But I mean, he's just everywhere. He's on pace to get a hundred tackles. He's Wherever the ball is at, he's at. I mean, he's made a couple missed tackles here and there. He's got to take a couple better angles at different times. But uh, 
damn, he's been good. Yeah. And I've been loving what I'm seeing. And we already talked about it. My rising star right now is Steel. I mean, like, yeah. he went yeah, from buddy. early in the season that, okay, he's just going to take a, maybe a couple reps here and there. And now he's going to get legitimate reps coming down the stretch. Like, he's going to be playing a lot of reps in a lot of these games because he's just so sure. He's a sure tackler. He's, he's wherever the ball's at, he's, he's always at there. Like, yeah, yeah I know. He's got great, great athleticism. So, yeah, and that's the two I'm going with. I love Steele as a running back, too. You know, I loved his running style. I hated that he had trouble holding on to the ball, but I'm, I'm happy the switch happened because this guy, he is a legitimate linebacker and he could play the next league or he could play in the league the next level as a linebacker yeah all right so that's just kind of our thoughts on the maryland game it was a nice win uh now i kind of wanted to talk maybe just about a few other of the games that happened this week mm-hmm. we won't go into anything crazy uh down the thing so basically i would just want to go over iowa penn state just our thoughts real quick um our thoughts on michigan nebraska um and then We'll wrap it up with uh, our thoughts on Alabama losing to Texas A&M, um, Iowa, Penn State. So game lived up to everything I thought it was going to live up to. Yeah. First half um, for sure. And then once Clifford got hurt and that it was like a matter. I mean, Penn State's defense was still keeping them in the game, but it was it just seemed like uh, this is a matter of time for Iowa to take control of this game because Penn State really went from uh you know, at least they were actually moving the ball really well against Iowa and they looked like a better team for, you know, early in that game. But once Clifford went out, it's like, you know, I've, I've had my comments on Clifford, but I didn't realize it was that much of a drop off to their backup. And it was, it was a bad drop off. Yeah. He, he didn't look good, man. That's, that was a rough game. Like you said, I think Penn State outplayed them until Clifford went out of that game and then they just they couldn't do much and it was just it was a matter of, you know, when, not if that Iowa was gonna win that game. So but kind of went how we expected. You know, we said it was tailor made to be a very end of the, you know, end of the game type final outcome. Um it was gonna be close. Both teams kinda I think we said, you know, you want teams to both of them to walk away feeling like they won maybe they both walked away feeling like they lost i don't know but it was definitely it was a close game and it it helped ohio state out because it wasn't like one of these teams was going to drop huge after that now if i mean i want to see if you feel the same way that i feel and now let's preface this i would probably make this exact same statement a few years ago when iowa just beat the hell out of ohio state in 2017 Mm -hmm. uh if Clifford is healthy here in a couple of weeks, Penn state is still the tougher game out of these two for the Buckeyes, because I do like Iowa's defense. Um, but I saw nothing out of Iowa's offense that scared me at all. Mm-hmm. And with Iowa's defense that as long as I think your three receivers can still run wide open against these guys. And as long as Stroud is playing the way Stroud is playing that I, I just think, if Clifford's healthy, that could be a war in a couple of weeks where if if we play this Iowa team undefeated, like I'm not going to say it's going to be 59 to nothing, but I saw some stuff out of Iowa this week that like 
I wouldn't mind if they were undefeated at the end of the year because I think that would be one hell of a cherry on top for Ohio State, and yeah. I think Ohio State could beat them by three plus touchdowns. And like, I don't like, I don't disagree. I mean, I just think, you know, it, when you look at it, is like Iowa. Yeah, Iowa plays great sound defense, but we've seen this, you know, this with uh, Northwestern and Wisconsin years before they just, they don't have the horses to run with Ohio state. So yeah, you might run your zone and Ohio state might just bust it and, you know, gas you for yards up and down the field. And I just, I don't know how they're, I don't think they're keeping Ohio state out of the end zone, not consistently. And I don't think they don't got what they need on offense to stress Ohio state's defense, especially if Ohio state's playing this, you know, no, no chance, no risk defense that they are starting to play now where everything's in front of them. And Spencer, Which is set Spencer up a lot Petras better. is not that good. Gonna, like he throws yeah, the ball up, it's up a, a pick. It's going to set up a lot better against Iowa. When Iowa tried to run in 2017 against them, there's not going to be a lot of uh, backs turned and tight ends running free. I mean, everything again, it's still going to be right in front of you. Yeah. And so they're going to actually run a defense much better suited to play Iowa. Um, but my point, I mean, just my point to that is there was a point in this game where Penn State was gashing them. And oh, yeah. Like, like, I don't if I, I mean, like we've said that these teams are, you know, they're kind of, they're set up not to be like blowouts against each other. But if Clifford doesn't get hurt, I mean, I think they win that game by 14 points. Like, it just felt like that, that they were just the better offensive team and they were better. Penn state's offense was better than Iowa's defense and Penn state's defense and Iowa's offense, you know, was a wash basically. Yeah. Like, so like, I, I just think that if Clifford doesn't get hurt, Penn state probably in, in their type of game easily wins it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I could see maybe a 10 point win, but it just, it was unfortunate how it happened with them, you know, because they they were looking like the better team before Clifford got hurt. Well, Michigan, Nebraska. So Michigan's still undefeated. Uh, there was a part in this game where it kind of felt like that Nebraska was going to was going to start just beating them mm-hmm. and, you know, give Michigan credit. They hung tough in there when it seemed like uh, Nebraska might have found was finding their sweet spot it was really challenging Michigan's offense and they were starting to move the ball offensively themselves. Um, you know, but you know, Scott Frost still can't find his, uh, signature win and, you know, he loses another one. Um, (laughs) not focusing so much on the game itself, uh, through these games, what is your thoughts right now on Michigan? I mean, I still like Michigan's defense. I've been, you know, I like Michigan's defense coordinator. I'm not hundred. I'm not like, I've not been sold on their offense all year, but like, I slightly feel a little bit better about their offense than, or, you know, that their, their offense is more competitive than I thought they were. Um, you know, I think that Haskins and Corum are a great complementary to each other. Um, their yeah. offensive line ain't bad. Um, I'm still not sold on McNamara. I, I think if you get him into a where you're, he's playing a much better, I, I I'll be much more interested to see how he plays against Michigan State, Penn State, and uh, Ohio State's defenses coming down the stretch before I'm ready to crown him anything like thing. I just think he 
he throws the ball up in there too much. I can't believe he doesn't throw more picks than he does. Uh, and the receivers don't scare me, stretching me down the field, but you know, they do do some stuff that's interesting. So I like that. I, mean, just, I like that transfer that Dalen Baldwin. Yeah, I like him too. Um, just your general thoughts. I, I mean, is this going to finally, are we finally, are we inching up that this could be the actual Michigan, Ohio state game of old? Like, I mean, they got a few more games. They got to play against some tough teams, but they could be like, it, you would never have got me say that there was a shot that they were going to be undefeated at the end of the year to play Ohio state. There's some parts, especially if Clifford's injuries, like if Clifford's in- injuries for real, like if they get past uh, Michigan state, like, I don't know if anybody is going to beat them coming down the stretch until they play us. It'll be interesting to see what they can do against Michigan state's offense. I don't think Michigan state's offense is that great. They do have a really good running back, but their passing's been evolving the last couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if Michigan state doesn't have an offense in that game, I think Michigan would win it. Um, but it's going to be another close one for them. And, you know, they went up 13 nothing in this game, and they couldn't close it out. And Nebraska actually had the lead, you know, later on into the game, and it just was kind of like a exchange of field goals towards, like, the end, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Michigan's offense, I, I do feel better about their run game. I just, I don't know. I don't see them still being able to go, you know, score sevens where we're Ohio state will be scoring sevens to keep no. in a game with Ohio state. Um, I don't know if they have the, they, I, I'm not saying that they have the horses right now to go toe to toe with Ohio state, but like this could be, the it could be Ohio. State, it could be Ohio state's best in conference game this season. I like, I could think that like, I think now there's a legitimate shot that we see them at 11 and zero. like, yeah, you know, they're only going to be playing big 10 teams, you know, Big Ten eight. I mean, I think the Big Ten is better this year than a lot of people thought they were going to be coming into the season. But you know, they're not playing Iowa. You know, they got to get through Michigan State and Penn State, and they should be able to beat any other team on the East that they play. And so, I mean, this could be the year we see them undefeated, which will be hell of a game in minds of Ohio State. Could really all this helps Ohio state out. I mean, if they beat a, you know, I don't, I, you know, if Penn state at least get to the 30th with just the one loss, you know, beating Penn state at one loss, then, you know, possibly beating Michigan state at one loss or two losses Mm -hmm. and then beating an undefeated Michigan and then possibly playing an undefeated Iowa, you know, this is a stretch that, I mean, you want to talk about something that catapults them into the big 10 or into the playoffs. I mean, they have a schedule that's setting itself up for it. Oh yeah. You, I mean, you got a great resume coming up as long as the other big 10 teams, you know, keep winning for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, All right. I mean, I could see, so, I could see Michigan possibly being undefeated and that that would be a huge game for them in Ann Arbor. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. A&M Alabama. So Early in this game, I was like, all right, Alabama's going to run away with this one. And, or no, A&M's playing good. They're up for it. But then when Alabama caught them, I'm like, okay, this they're going to score two, three more touchdowns. And, you know, this was a good game early. And Alabama's going to end up winning by, you know, two, three scores. Yeah. So And then. Go ahead. 
Uh, and then uh, it was just, I'm so surprised that A&M inched that out because it seemed like Alabama just, they had all the momentum and just inch it out at the end of the game like they did was impressive. Yeah, I mean, bless you. Alabama, you know, takes a lead in the game. They came back and, you know, there's a point A&M has a two-score lead and Alabama comes back and they have a seven-point lead at a point in the fourth quarter. And AM finds a way to tie it, not only tie it, finds a way to win the game. So yeah. Props to AM. A lot of people thought they were going to be really good this year. They've lost a couple games. They didn't look great in their losses, but when it mattered, they showed out. Um you know, everyone that said Alabama is them and Georgia are just on a different level than everybody else. I don't know. Bama seemed kind of vulnerable at different times this year, and this is another one. Now, this yeah. is this is usually where Saban gets, you know, super pissed off and his teams go and just kill everybody down the stretch. So I don't know if they'll have a second loss. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was impressed with AM. Yeah. Um I feel better now though. Like, Alabama losing. So if Alabama now wins out, wins the SEC, and that's Georgia's only loss, like I I'm in a position now where I think Ohio state as a one loss, big 10 champion with the teams that they got coming down the stretch gets in over Georgia. I was a little nervous there. If they were both undefeated and they played like, you know, a national championships S type of game against each other, that they would just be both crowned into the playoffs yeah, um, without even thinking twice about it. Now I, I think that if they both end up with a loss concern, Alabama's loss early, that like I, I know it doesn't change anything on paper necessarily, but they both have one loss. And so at that point, then Georgia is a one loss non-champion and Ohio state is a one loss big 10 champion with a good end of the year schedule. So like, I like where it's setting up now. I, I felt like I, we needed at least one of them to lose coming down the stretch. That way it would make that championship game a, I mean, hopefully it's a one loss versus one loss team. Then that way it's just the loser has two losses and that just shores up a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, but at least this way that, you know, if Alabama goes out, beats Georgia, you know, and Ohio State wins out, Ohio State is a one loss conference champion against a good schedule. You know, Georgia didn't play that, in my opinion, that great of a schedule. Best team that they play beats them at the end of the year for the championship game to me that throws Georgia out. And if Georgia wins, that's a second loss for Alabama. And that definitely throws them out. So like, mm -hmm. you, so things are starting to set up better. I mean, you know, it would have been nice seeing Texas beating Oklahoma. You know, <laughs> I hate the big 12 because, you know, we, I said that to everybody over here, you know, when Texas, I'm like, yeah, they're up four scores now or whatever it was. Uh, there, I mean, there, there is no excuse. No team should have been able to come back from what they came back from. I mean, that just seems like it's big 12. It always seems like that that's that game too. It's whatever reason it seems like one of those two teams jump all over the other one to start the game. And then it's a, uh, you know, it's a one score win for the other team at the end of the right. game. Right. Comes so, down to the last drive. Exactly. Um, all right. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you have anything else on Alabama? I mean, I got, it'll be interesting coming down the stretch, but no, I mean, I think Alabama will do what they can. They do look more vulnerable now. So who knows? I mean, 
they didn't give up a ton of yards to AM. So AM made the most of, you know, when they got the ball. Um, I know they had a big return in there. So I'm not I'm not sold out Alabama could lose another game, but you know, they like I said, they look vulnerable. They can be beat. The one thing though, Georgia has Kentucky this weekend. It's an interesting game. Uh, but Georgia but is way favored in Athens. I think it's like a 23 point spread or something like that. So I don't think they're going to lose, but my thought was if they lose a close game to Kentucky, Kentucky has nothing for their schedule left. At least, I mean, maybe Tennessee or something, but these are teams they should beat. I mean, they've already beaten Florida, and if that, they would have beaten Georgia. Those are the two hardest teams, you know, historically in the East. So could Georgia, though, if they lost to Kentucky and Kentucky wins out, is there a place that Georgia almost like, lost their way into the playoffs as long as they you know take care of business and just beat the crap out of everyone else it depends on everybody else does actually i think kentucky beating georgia helps ohio state unbelievably because i think then if alabama would beat kentucky at the end of the year alabama is obviously in Mm -hmm. kentucky is definitely at one loss not getting in on ohio state there is still a possibility that a one loss georgia is getting in over a one loss Ohio state team. That's a big 10 champion. I will, I will believe it when I see it. Like if they would put a one loss non-champion Kentucky in, cause Kentucky doesn't carry any respect. Well, yeah, I don't, and I don't think Kentucky would get in if they lose the SEC title so game. That really helps Ohio state. Um, outside of that, where Georgia could possibly squeeze in as a second SEC school. It depends where everybody else in the country is. If uh, Oklahoma is still undefeated at that point or whatever, they're not getting in on over Oklahoma. You know, are they getting in on over an undefeated Cincinnati at that point? I don't think they would. I think they would put Cincinnati in. Uh, I think the Cincinnati is going to come down to really an undefeated Cincinnati against a one loss Ohio state where that could be a very interesting dynamic uh, or possibly a undefeated Cincinnati against one loss Oklahoma. I think, I think they will give Cincinnati a shot though. If it's a second school from another, if it's in that type of thing that, well, mm-hmm. Kentucky beat them. They got knocked out. You know, they, we're not, they didn't even play not, in their conference title game. Yeah. They're not Alabama. They get to have, they don't, they don't have a national championship resume like Nick Saban has that that got fallen back on in 2017. So like, I just think that probably they're out at that point. I mean, people, I people wrong. also forget in 2017, Nick Saban had a two loss Ohio state that, you know, yeah, Ohio State's if Ohio State's a one-loss conference champion, champion they're, they're in. in. So yeah, that's obviously that's there too. So it would be interesting. So in in that situation, it's not necessarily an apple of oranges thing because you know if Ohio State and one of these other conference champions have one loss, if Ohio State has one loss as a conference champion and Oklahoma is undefeated as a conference champion. And then Cincinnati is undefeated there. You know, I could very see, you know, the winner of the Alabama Kentucky game is in, and then those other three are in and, you know, Georgia's out. And, you know, so it would be very interesting. It it would go a long way for Kentucky. If uh, somehow Kentucky pull this off, Uh, they're not going to, no, they're not going to. I have a feeling that uh, even with them beating Florida, they will come off looking like Arkansas. Um, I wanted to move on, but, Real quick, how stupid is Arkansas? You go for, you know, you go to tie the game at 
50, what is it? 52 or whatever. It's it's 52, yeah. Yeah. And you decide at the end of the game, instead of just kicking the extra point to go into overtime that you're going to go for two for the, go for the win. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And then Alabama ends up losing. So literally if you beat Ole Miss in overtime, like you are now each on equal footing without your equal footing with Alabama with a chance of playing with a, that with head to head coming up yeah. and you could beat them and you could be the one going to the sec championship game, but no, you decide that you're going to be all cocky and go for two. So that was so stupid. Yeah. I mean, there's sometimes with the coaches, like the over aggressiveness, it just, you got it still sometimes like it's okay to kind of have that old school thought process every now and then, you know, let's kick it, go to overtime and see what happens. Cause I know people, I, someone's like, well, they didn't trust their defense. Well, they were running, like they were playing with them though. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> they were only down point. Like it's not like Ole Miss's defense was barn burners either that you needed to get yeah. them off the field. And the difference is though, and now going forward, I mean, you just got to make it through two overtimes and be able to get this two point conversion. in the second one, after that, everything is a two point conversion. So from third overtime on, you're just trading two point conversions with each right. other. So like, who cares about your defense? It's not like you're possibly playing seven overtimes with them. I mean, you know, and like you said, their Ole Miss's defense wasn't doing anything great. So, yeah, uh, I mean, it seemed like Arkansas was able to score at will on them. So yeah, yeah it just made no sense. Um, all right. So let's uh, quickly spend maybe five, 10 minutes uh, just kind of on the coaching situation here. So we heard some comments from uh, coach Combs today mm-hmm. uh, about how, you know, basically, you know, he's, you know, he's an adult. He, you know, he, what happened, happened, no point in crying over it. And uh, you know, he's uh, I don't have the exact quotes, but you know, he's, he's here for the rest of this year to, uh, you know, prove himself. And he's part of the staff. I mean, which, I mean, I love coach Combs. I mean, he's one of the best sound bites on the team. He's always got such great emotion. So I'm sure it was a lot to swallow for him, especially, you know, maybe if they would have saw some of this stuff earlier in the year, you know, or early before the season started, maybe it would have been him. Yeah. I think he could have changed this defense around, but Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't know, maybe I think there's parts of me that think that he was unfairly blamed. Uh, There's parts of me after last season and the beginning of the season that, you know, you know, they needed to change. So like, I don't know. I'm kind of been up in the air about that, but just your thoughts on like some of the stuff he said today. Hey, defense is trending in the right direction. Well, I mean, I, I just, you can't, you don't leave a Kerry Combs press conference without anything, but just the utmost respect for that man. He owns every situation. You know, he says that it's not an easy pill to swallow, but you got to be a man. You got to be an adult about it. You know, you can't let things affect you for more than 24 hours. You got to brush it off. You got to go out there and do your job. Um, we know what Kerry Combs, what he brings, the energy he brings to this team. And he even said that, you know, that's what he misses most is going to hug guys on the field because he's up in the booth and Kevin Wilson's not the same as the players. But what, you know, what I like, Matt Barnes has done a wonderful job, but I don't know, man, how much can, how much credit does Kerry get? What is he seeing up in the booth? You know, maybe he's doing a lot more of this than what we think. Oh yeah. And I think he is. I, I think he's a team player. I think what he's seeing is, uh, you know, and ultimately, I mean, 
I know Kerry accepted a lot of the blame for this and he should, he's the defensive coordinator, but we've talked about in the past. I mean, you know, this was the first year that Ryan day really got the, has to face some ad, you know, adversary, uh, you know, an adverse situation. And a lot of it's came down, it comes down to him. You know, he should have hired another defensive coach. He did it. That mm-hmm. was his choice. I hope that gets rectified in the, the end of the year, because I'm sorry, you can, one of these guys or yourself could be, I mean, probably not him because he keeps a lot with the quarterbacks, but you know, give somebody a second job as the secondary a second or special teams coach. You yeah. know, urban was the special teams coach. Like you don't need to have somebody be just the special teams coach. Uh, like, well, Matt Barnes could be the special teams coach again. Exactly. So, you know, that's that falls on Ryan day. He, you know, they didn't have enough up in the booth because, you know, he didn't, he doesn't have another spotter up there because, you know, he's the one that chose the, you know, only have four defensive coaches. And I'm sorry that, you know, Al Washington, I mean, Al Washington and Larry Johnson have to be on the field. And I, they're, mm-hmm. they're big time parts of when those guys come off the staff, you need, you know, defensive line coaches are not up top because, you know, your defensive line needs your defensive line coach right. for whatever reason it is the offensive line coach and the defensive line coaches are needed on the sidelines when, you know, in between series. Um, Except in 2015 when uh, someone pisses off urban and. Well, I mean, you, you might get delegated up there because he doesn't want to be, you don't want to see him. <laughs> did he That's send, always, did he send both of them up to the booth against Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. They were both up there. Then neither one of them were allowed down on the field with him. I don't like, even, I think he called the offense anyways. Yeah. I don't think he switched over to them one time to, to get their opinions. I think they were talking like they were talking to him. They just didn't realize that it was off. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so that's on Ryan day. And then what's also on Ryan day is that uh, he needed to handle this situation better. He, he threw carry really, really hard under the bus. Uh, and that was press conferences after the Oregon game. I think if he had to do it all over again, he would have been different. I'm not going to say be more professional. You can tell it definitely upset him, um, but he needed to, you can't be out there. It's one thing, maybe being out there, and throwing it, you know, when Urban said, you know, these guys are playing like it's a clown show and different things like that. It's one thing on motivation sides, but it's another thing. I mean, Urban never even, even in that situation with Beck and Warner, if I remember it correctly, I'm pretty sure Urban took blame for what the offense looked like and that they were thrown up top. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, that, those decisions were made during the week, it wasn't made in the press conference. Well, it was, yeah, it wasn't so much out there for everyone else to know, you know, that they would be changing spots. Yeah. So, I mean, I wish they would have handled this situation better. He probably realizes he didn't handle it great either. So I, I'm, I have a feeling that they probably all talked, got their heads cooled off. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the season, whether, you know, Kerry's going to move on or not. Uh, I mean, if I was a betting man, I would say I'm 60, 40, that he's probably going to move on just because, I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow and he, you know, he's going to have other opportunities, whether it's in college or in the pros. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, so, did, he did say that he believes in himself that he could do that position, that he can be yeah. a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, I, I would have loved to seen maybe if they would have realized that what their deficiencies were before the season started, that maybe they would have just 
Kerry would have built this zone defense, but they didn't. And I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens, uh, but definitely, you know, whether Kerry leaves or not, you know, Ryan day needs another defensive coach and, you know, and if Kerry leaves, you need two defensive coaches. And if one of the other ones leave too, you're going to need three defensive right. coaches. They have to have five defensive coaches next year. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. You just do. And maybe that fifth defensive coach is also he, maybe he's also the special teams coach, but whatever he needs to be the defensive coach because they need another, they need another eye in the back seven. So if Barnes is the guy going forward, so he just doesn't have a lot on his plate when it comes to, so he can keep track of everything and build a good defense to go with their skill sets for next year. But you know, it's the, definitely the big thing when the season ends is that, you know, Ryan day has to be in his mind. He's definitely looking for one coach. You know, there's probably a good chance he's going to be looking for a second. So yeah. like, you know, but they got to get to five. Yeah, I agree. All right. So you got anything else you, you want to throw out for tonight? No, um, it'll be a good week of football. I always hit the week so that actually, no, it's not going to be a good week of football because everyone go to the big tens off this week. So yeah, they just, it's a <laughs> terrible scheduling. I'll have a, I might watch a couple games this weekend, but you know, it's actually good when the bye week, sometimes it's good when the, the bye week also follows a, uh, maybe not the best week in college football too, because then maybe you can get a, others you can actually get some stuff done yeah uh, that's true stuff. i mean i'm looking Consider forward we, to michigan state indiana this weekend yeah there'll be an interesting one uh kentucky georgia will be interesting so i mean there are definitely some games out there um, yeah but right i think uh i think we'll call it for tonight though um that will be the the show for this week uh we'll we'll be back next week with a, a show getting ready for indiana um so Let's take us on out of here. All right. Well, thank you everyone for stopping in tonight at the Buckeye Bar. I'm John. I'm Mike. O-H. I-O. I-O.